We are in week, what is this, week four of our series? I think it is. Uh, anybody know the name of the series that we've been on? I am. Everybody say, I am. It's been a lot of fun. I'd like you to take your Bible and open to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. And would you stand to your feet as we open there? We honor the reading of God's Word. John chapter 10. We're looking at the various statements that Jesus made throughout the Bible where he said, I am. The the thing that's very interesting about this in John chapter 8 is one of the first ones. And you'll, you'll notice that Jesus, he's having a conversation and, and he's being challenged on his theology. Are you telling me that you were around when Abraham was? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. It was, a, it was a, one of the first statements that he made, but Jesus was making a claim to be the very same God who spoke to Moses. Tell them that I am sent you. Jesus was claiming to be God. And we know that they understood this because on two different occasions, we'll actually see the tail end of one today, they tried to stone him when he made these I am claims. And so this is very powerful. Uh, let's look here, John chapter 10 in verse... 11. Oh, let's look at verse 10, just because it's a good verse. We mentioned it last week. It says this, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now here's the I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. He does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Uh, yeah, yeah, even... Did I say that? Even so, I, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They will hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it, his life, from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was division among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said, he has a demon. He is mad. Why do you listen to him? Yet others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now watch verse 22. I'll explain this. This was, uh, now it was at the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. Mm, okay, well, Lord, I just ask that you would... Bless this word that you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives. Holy Spirit, speak to us what we need to hear today. Lord, correct us, encourage us, strengthen us, build us. Do what you need to do in each and every one of our lives. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the glory of you, mighty God. And I bind every work of the enemy. He would try to, to, to distract or distort or twist or confuse the word even as it comes forward today. Bless us, mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Everybody say, 
I am. This has uh, quickly become one of my favorite series that I've ever done. In fact, I, I, I'm contemplating. I have so much content every week that I'm not able to cover just over the course of a 30-40 you know, minute message. I've actually contemplated if I might write a book on this topic. Uh, just been so profound and there's so much in this. In fact, I read another one uh, that I'm not even going to preach about. But the last I am statement that Jesus made. Anybody know when it is? It's this moment where Judas comes and gives the kiss of betrayal. The soldiers come and find Jesus there in the garden and they say, Are you Jesus? Are you this? Are you the one? And Jesus says, I am He. I am. And here's what's wild about this. Have you ever seen this? This is in the Gospel of John as well. When he says, I am He. The Bible says that everybody actually stepped and fell down on the ground. I was just thinking, you ever like try and picture stuff as you're reading the Bible? You ought to. What in the world did that look like? Jesus says, I am he. And everybody in the area, out under the power, under the revelation of who Jesus is. And you just imagine what it's like when these soldiers are getting back up. And I mean, like, what are they thinking after this experience? I guess we should still arrest him, right? Is that still the plan? I mean, what a wild, what a wild encounter. But you see these powerful I am statements are just incredible all throughout the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am. Last week we talked about how Jesus is. I am the door of the sheep. Well, this uh, this week, I, I want to look at something, the, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Everybody say good shepherd. Good. Jesus is a good shepherd. And I, I love, now here's a neat picture. Let me give you the setting of this story. Um, because I, the very last verse that we read, verse 22 there, says that this was at the Feast of Dedication. Now, what's interesting is you look, and, uh, and I tried to find a really authoritative timeline on how all of this, and, and there's a little bit of debate, but when you look at the topic that Jesus was talking about, this whole discourse about the sheep and the shepherd and all of this, and then he goes in, and in the very next passage, in fact, if you see it in your Bible there, he talks about, uh, let, me, let me make sure I'm there, it says... Um, in verse 22, the shepherd knows his sheep. He's still speaking on the same topic, right? And it says it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter. I'm curious. Some of you have different translations. Uh, how many of yours says something different than it was the feast of dedication? What do some of your other translations say? Uh, verse 22, John 10, 22. The festival of dedication, okay? Does anybody say anything different? Well, you can look at different translations. I'll just tell you. Some of them might say the feast of renewal. Others will say festival of lights. I think the Amplified says uh, exactly what it is, what it translates to in the Hebrew, which is Hanukkah. How many of you have ever heard of Hanukkah? Do you know what Hanukkah is? 
I told my wife, I want to celebrate Hanukkah one of these years. You know where Hanukkah comes from? Because this is really interesting. Let me give you the history on Hanukkah. Um, This is not, just so you know, Hanukkah is not the Jewish version of Christmas. Did you know that? It's not the Jewish version. In fact, Hanukkah was started about 200 years before Jesus was even on the earth. And so it's, it's not really centered around Jesus and his birth. Um, and what's interesting is it's not an Old Testament festival either. You can read the whole uh, law. You can read the teachings of Moses. And there were a lot of festivals that were taught and encouraged that, that even we still today, the Feast of Tabernacles and Booths and uh, Passover, we're actually encouraged to acknowledge those. Now we call them Easter we call it Pentecost. You know, we, we honor them in slightly different ways uh, as New Testament believers. However, this is not one of those festivals. So where did Hanukkah come from? And why is it mentioned here in the New Testament? Well, uh, I'll tell you. Here's what is important to understand. This is a reason that I'm giving you this setting. Jesus was a master of illustration. He would find a woman who is sitting at a well coming for water and he would use that as an example i can give you water and you will never thirst again he would see a crowd of hungry people asking for bread and he would say i am the bread of life and and constantly we see jesus i mean he he was always using illustrations that were right there around and things that were that were pertinent to them and that's why i want to tell you why does it mention that this was at the feast of dedication why does it mention it was hanukkah it was the festival of lights well you're gonna see I, i'm getting excited you don't even know why i'm getting excited yet do you this is uh the fe- so why does it mention it's the feast of dedication or rededication you might remember I taught a couple weeks ago about a character, a Syrian monarch whose name was Antiochus Epiphanes. You remember me talking about an Antiochus Epiphanes? Everybody say Antiochus Epiphanes. I want you to remember this. He was a he was a Syrian monarch who was a part of this attack on Jerusalem. This guy came in. And he really is a, is, is a picture of what the Antichrist is going to look like. He came in to Jerusalem. He believed that he was Zeus in the flesh. And so he commanded as he invaded Jerusalem, he commanded, he made a mandate that everybody worship him as Zeus in the flesh. Now, of course... The Jews who loved and honored the Lord, they said, no, we're not doing that. And so what he did is he went and he invaded the temple. He went into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place of the entire temple. He took a pig and slaughtered the pig, which was the most unclean animal in Judaism, slaughtered it on the altar. He took the the flesh and made the priests eat the flesh of the swine. He took the blood of the swine and and, and sprinkled it on their holy scriptures and the and, and the text that they had, the uh, you know the the uh, you know the prophecies and uh, in, in the Old Testament. And he then erected a statue of Zeus right in the middle, right in the Holy of Holies, and commanded that everybody worship that, that statue. Now again, they, they were not going to do that, and so what ended up happening is uh, he slaughtered thousands of people. He, 
He enslaved the women and the children, sold them into slavery, killed the men. And uh, it was just, it was a horrible desecration. Upwards of 200,000 people were killed in that invasion. Bad dude, Antiochus Epiphanes. Desecrated the temple, horrible. The Antichrist is going to do the exact same thing in the last days, in fact. Uh, and that's why they mention him. There was a prophecy in Daniel about Antiochus Epiphanes and what he would do. That happened in a 400 year between the book of Malachi and the book of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, the Gospels. This period of time, there was 400 years. This happens about halfway through that Antiochus Epiphanes comes in and, and desecrates the temple. You guys checking with me so far? So what he does is... Um, there was a group of individuals. This is actually pretty cool. I studied this a little more this last week. There was one guy who had four sons. And these four sons were, I mean, they were bad to the bone, man. They were Jewish. They loved the Lord. Uh, but they were warriors, man. And uh, these guys, all their last name was Maccabee. And these were the guys, maybe you've read or you've heard of the book of Maccabees. It's in the Catholic Bible. And we don't acknowledge that as uh, as you know, uh, uh, sanctified, not sanctified, authoritative, canon, thank you. Uh, but, uh, uh, but it's got historical value to us. And so you, you can read it. That's fine. Just don't pray or, you know, get it tattooed on you or anything like that. But we do, uh, you know, and so you read in Maccabees, and these were the guys who led the revolt. Four brothers band together with their dad, and they led the Maccabean revolt. They go in, and they actually retake the temple for God. They tear down this statue of Zeus. They, uh, they actually break down because the altar has been defiled. So they tear down the old altar. They rebuild a new altar, and they do a couple things now this is so cool they begin this process of rededicating the temple they rededicate the temple and the way that they do that is they go in they have now this new altar and they uh they do a couple things they anoint it with oil in fact one of the things that they do is they light a torch and there was a there was instruction you can read it's it's kind of neat there was an eternal fire that was supposed to burn on the altar and the first time the lord himself actually lit that altar with fire from heaven and their instruction was to to keep that fire burning and so they had a very specific type of oil that they were to use for that and what happened is as they come back in they realize we don't have that oil it's been now two years since they've been able to worship in the temple. They don't have the oil. They had a little bit of oil, and they decide, well, we're going to light this anyway, and let's just see what happens. So they light the fire, and supernaturally for eight days, that fire burns. That's why if you ever see in Hanukkah, people have the menorah, and it's got eight candles on either side and one in the middle the middle represents that eternal fire but eight is what happened when god supernaturally kept that oil burning for eight days so that's why for eight days they'll like did you guys know any of this stuff I thought, this is interesting, isn't it? And so what they did is every day they would come into the temple and they did a few things. There were, there were three significant things and this is where this really means something to us, okay? They would bring what they call the bread of presence into the Holy of Holies. They would bring this and they would set it on the altar and, uh, and this was a part of what the Lord instructed them in the rededication of the temple. 
The second thing they would do is they would light torches and candles symbolizing the light of the world. This is a prophecy they all adhered to that one day a Messiah was going to come and the, and the message of the Messiah was going to touch the entire world. It's the light of the world. So they lit these uh, torches and candles and lights all around that space and then they offered a sacrifice, which typically that was a lamb. Uh, but they would offer a sacrifice on the altar. Now, I want you to think about this. The three elements in this festival of rededication that they are honoring, the bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The lights that are lit, that's why they call it the festival of lights. Jesus stood up in this same discourse. It's all within these, these three chapters in the book of John. Jesus stood and said, I am the light of the world. And then you see the picture of the sacrifice that was given. I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know if you guys are, are, are getting excited about this. They give this sacrifice. And Jesus stands in what he's just been talking about. I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the sacrifice. Oh my goodness. You guys, this is so amazing. When you begin to realize that everything these guys have been honoring, everything in the Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus. Oh my goodness. You ought to get so excited. When you realize even in the day and age that we're living in, everything that we do goes back to Jesus. We can have things that God's doing in modern days, but at the end of the day, man, everything hinges on the cross. It all goes back to Jesus. In fact, did you know that the word cross, have you ever heard people say, well, it's the, this is the crux of the matter, right? This is the central focus. The word cross actually comes from the Latin word crux, meaning it's the central focus. It is the center of everything. And I'm telling you guys, everything in your life, Everything in your Old Testament or New Testament study, it all goes right back to the cross. That's the crux of the whole matter. That's what everything is hinged upon. So, praise God. Maybe we're going to put a menorah up in our house this year and be wonderful. Which, by the way, can I just tell you, I, 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 I had this discussion too. As I was looking at all of this, did you know, a lot of people get upset about, well, pastor, you know, I've had people ask me recently, what do you think about Christmas trees? Did you know that the very same way, so you think about what the, what the Jews did to cleanse the temple is they tore down the altar that was built to Zeus, right? They tore down the statue and they erected light saying, no, we believe in the light of the world. They did the very same thing. There was a time where the Greeks, uh, uh, they worshipped the god Odin, right? Now, we don't believe that he's a god, but they worshipped Odin. And they would decorate oak trees with, with candles and with lights. Well, when, when the Jews came in, and or I'm sorry, when the Christians came in and they overthrew Odin worship, guess what they did? They cut down the trees, they erected new trees, and they put lights up in the very same fashion. It was modeled after what they did in the the rededication of the temple so i would argue that yes there was a paganism that was involved with this but the reason that they decorate a different type of tree with lights was actually a christian rededication Yay. i mean are you excited about that my wife loves christmas trees i so 
I, I, used to, I used to be anti-Christmas tree um, until I just began to dig into this and realize. It, it's the same reason. Let me give you another example right in the same line of thinking. It's the very same reason that we dance hula in this church. There was a time, I mean, the roots of hula are pagan. They're ungodly. But there is something in the heart of God. You notice they didn't destroy the whole temple. Well, you know, this has just been... No, they, they rededicated it. They consecrated it. They purified it. And in the very same way, you know what? This might have been used. This form of worship may have been directed towards something pagan, ungodly, something fleshly, something carnal, another God. But rather than destroy something... Why don't we redeem something? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just come and just, you know what, let's just kill everybody and let's start over again. That's not how Jesus does, is it? No, he redeems it. Yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you were pagan. Yeah, you were sinful. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to purchase you. I'm going I'm to put my light on the inside of you. Praise God. So, hallelujah, get you a menorah. Get you a Christmas tree. It's all wonderful. Dance hula. It's awesome. All right. So let's look again. Now, there's, there's a couple things I want you to see here in, uh, in our passage. Have you got our setting now? That's pretty neat, huh? Did you ever see that before? Look at verse 11. This is what Jesus said. John 10. We're still there. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, leaves the sheep, he flees. The wolf catches the sheep, he scatters them. The hireling flees. Because he's a hireling, he does not care about the sheep. If you're taking notes, you probably already got some stuff you wrote down, but I got a couple for you. Number one, he fights for the sheep. A good shepherd fights for the sheep. Jesus the good shepherd will fight for his sheep. And all throughout this passage, you'll see he's contrasting true shepherds, true spiritual leaders, and false. You see that? We talked about it a lot this last week. And, uh, and it's a wild contrast. Now, have you ever wondered this, this last week, what was it Wednesday before last, we celebrated Veterans Day. And uh, we honor our veterans. Uh, my parents were both in the Army. I was born on a military base in Germany, and so I'm a military kid. We moved around a lot when I was small, and so I, I love the military. In fact, uh, I would have gone into the military, but I was disqualified because uh, uh, I had flat feet. And so they told me, no, you can't, you can't go. you got to be able to function without that. And so, I mean, praise God, I had flat feet because I entered into the ministry instead of going in the military. So, um, but I love, I love the military. I love when we get people, you know, even within the church, you say, I, I'd love to go in the army. I'd love to go in the Navy, Marines, whatever. And uh, man, I'll bless you and I'll encourage you. And I, I just think it's wonderful. Have you ever wondered why are people thousands, hundreds of thousands are willing to lay down their life in the military and my wife she just said honor and and i would agree patriotism but but here's what i really think most of it comes down to i think people are willing to lay down their life and most of it comes down to ownership i think that there's a a, a sense that you know what this is my country 
and it's worth fighting for. This is my nation. Or maybe it gets even more personal for people. I'm fighting for my family. There's a sense that when, when you understand, man, this is my, I'm fighting for my home. I'm fighting for my country. And, and there's this sense of ownership. Now, if you don't, if you don't care about your family, if you don't have any level of, I don't care about this nation, you know, you're not going to go die for it. It's about ownership. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to express. I'm a good shepherd. I own my sheep and I'm willing to lay down my life for them. A few things that I, you know, I was actually reading. You ought to read sometime for fun. The Art of War. The Art of War. Have you ever heard of this? It's one of the oldest books uh, uh, known to man in print. And uh, it's very interesting. You read, there's a, there's a section in there, and the, the great military strategist son is his name. Um, about halfway through the book, he gives a piece of advice. Never fight an army that is on their way home. You want to know why? He said, even if you vastly outnumber your enemy, if they know that their family is on the other side of the battlefield, they will be absolutely unstoppable. Nothing will. I mean, you imagine you've spent months out on the battlefield, months away from your family, and we're finally going home. And you're coming across, and you can see up on the hill, there's my home, and my wife has probably got something cooking, and I can't wait to see my kids. And all of a sudden, there's an enemy. You are going to fight. It doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter how long you've been out there. It doesn't matter how many other battles you... There is nothing that I have not gone through. All of this in my home and my family is right there. And so he said, never fight anybody who is on their way home. It's ownership. It's all about ownership, guys. And I look at this man and uh, you're willing to fight for your own. You know this. This is the difference between a good shepherd who's willing to lay down his life to fight for his flock and a hireling. And Jesus makes that comparison. Uh, uh, this is, you know, these guys, they're just a hireling. And if they're only a hired hand, then guess what? The minute adversity comes, the minute an attack comes, they're out. I'm not doing this. But a good shepherd who owns his sheep, he'll fight. You want to know something now? I'm not the good shepherd. The good shepherd is Jesus. And I want you to know he's going to fight for you. No matter what devil, no matter what wolf, no matter what, what, whatever tries to come against you, I want you to remember that God is fighting for you. He will not abandon you. Well, this is just tough. Uh, good luck, guys. No, Jesus is going to fight. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came. The, the Bible says the kingdom suffers violence, but violent people take it by force. There's a, there is always going to be violence within the kingdom of God. The devil walks around like a lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour. But, but the good news is, is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Keep in mind, he will fight for you. You want to know the reason that my wife and I moved over here? Because there was a time, in fact, we were told uh, when we first began started, we were, we were stewarding a work in Lahaina. And Dr. Morocco told us, he's like, I went back and forth between here and, and Molokai, and I went back and forth between here and Oahu. He, went, he 
held services on Maui and Oahu for eight years. And he told me, he's like, Pastor Jacob, because God was doing great things in Lahaina. And uh, we love the people there, still do. But he, you know, he told us, he's like, there's a good chance that you may have to do uh, both of these for a time. And so that's what we, we would come over here on Tuesdays. We'd have our service here, began to build things, and, uh, and we were still continuing our work there. But somewhere along the way, God began to put it in our heart that, man, if we're really going to see a church birthed in Kona, it's going to require some ownership. And even Dr. Murrah, I was so thankful. He actually, he approached us even before I, I had the chance to bring it to him. He's like, Pastor Jacob, I really believe God's going to do something very significant in Kona. And I think you ought to be there. The reason my wife and I sold everything, came over here, it's ownership. I, I want you guys to know, like, we're in this thing. Like, we're not just hirelings. Like, I mean, praise God. We're standing up walls in this place, and we're, we're blood, blood, sweat, and tears, and uh, we're here. Uh, man, we practically live at this church. Hallelujah. But we're in this, and I want you guys to know that. I'm not the good shepherd. I'm trying to be a good shepherd, and I want you to know I'm in this. My wife and I, my family, we've taken ownership in this thing, and I hope that some of you will too. Praise God. Amen. Here's the second point. I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What was the first one, by the way? He fights for his sheep. The good shepherd fights for his sheep. Number two, he loves his sheep. Oh, you ought to just hug yourself. Do you know that you're loved? <laughs> Do you know that you're loved? Oh, my goodness. Now, look at this. Verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, some of you who are real analytical might notice, now, Pastor, that doesn't say anything about love. Where do you see love? Why do you say he loves his sheep? Well, I want you to understand this. And this isn't an uncommon teaching. You've probably heard this sometime in your life. But that word, no. Everybody say no. I'm the good father. I know my sheep. I'm known by my own. The father knows me. I know the father. Four times we see it there in one verse. No, it is the Greek word gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. gnosko. Have you ever heard that word before? You probably have. It means to know. He uses it four times, and he also says it again in verse 15. He says it in verse 17. All throughout this passage, he's talking about the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I know the sheep, and the sheep know me. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. You notice in Bible language, they talk, and, and they say that Adam knew his wife, and they had a child, Cain. Cain knew his wife, and they had a child. Adam knew his wife again. They had another child named Seth. In Amos, we see that this thought is not just in, 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 in a, a husband or wife, a couple having children, but it's even used in the context of God loving his people. In Amos chapter 2, it says, Israel only have I known. It's the same thing. That doesn't mean that salvation is only for Israel. Or they're only, but at that time... That was the only people that God had been intimate with, that God had been near to. Joseph, you'll remember, jumping to the New Testament. He was upset because his girlfriend came home pregnant. 
And this is what he says. He says he had never known her. I don't know about you. I'd be upset if my fiance came home pregnant too. It's a good thing. He needed, by the way, that angelic visitation. He needed Gabriel to come and tell him, hey, this is the Lord. Okay, all right. So, and it's fine. So he didn't, he didn't divorce her, which uh, actually within, within their culture was necessary. If you were even engaged, you had to go through a whole divorce process even just for a second. It didn't have to wait to be consummated. It didn't have to wait for a ceremony. No, when you're engaged, man, you're in this thing. You're committed. And so uh, in any event, that's a different teaching. But you understand, knowing, everybody say no. It's very important. God knowing us and us knowing. It's not about head knowledge. This is talking about the same level of intimacy that, that a husband and a wife share. It's the same level of intimacy that God expressed towards his covenant people. That's what it is. It's about intimacy. It's about loving fellowship. It's about covenant relationship. That's what he's talking about here. So when he says, I know my sheep, you understand. He's talking about how he loves you like you love your spouse. He loves you the way that you love your family. He loves you the way that you love people you're in covenant relationship with. Oh my goodness. If you ever feel unloved, you just better remember the fact he loves you. He loves you a whole lot. Oh, just give yourself a hug. Don't you just love Jesus? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> in love. You don't know why. I, I believe a, a huge part of the reason why Jesus is willing to lay down his life is love. And that's really what it all comes down to. Have you ever worked a job? I think we've all had. Have you ever had a job that you love versus a job that you're only in it for the paycheck? I mean, I had jobs like that too. I did not love my job at McDonald's when I was in high school. I was only in it for the paycheck, and I have no shame in saying that. But I, I love what I do now. I love what I do now. You know what? My wife and I, we work our brains out. We go far above and beyond because we love what we do. I never went above and beyond at McDonald's. I showed up there at the very last second. I figured out this is the last minute that I can leave my house and still clock in at the right time. And I don't care what the need is in the place. The minute that my shift is over, I'm out of here. Right? Anybody with me? And so there's a difference when you, when you love what you do versus, you know, I'm just a hireling. It's the same thing. I don't, I don't know how many times. Guys, every night, you need to pray for me and my wife, Okay. Every night I go, I, I come to bed, I lay down, and just when I'm comfortable, my wife reminds me of something that needs to happen in the house. Anybody else have this problem? And I just don't know why. Like, why am I the one who has to get up? You can get up and check the door. You can get up and, oh, did we turn off that light? Uh, I mean, it's just as easy. Oh, you know, why do I got to get up and do the fan? But you know why I do that? And I don't complain. I, I really don't. Other, other than this. I don't complain. You don't know why. I don't complain because of love. Now, I'm not going to get up in the middle of the night and come to your house and check if your door's locked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. You know, in all honesty, I probably would come. I really probably would if you guys, my wife and I, oh my goodness, we could spend all day telling you guys stories about people that come 
my bunny died. My bunny died. You know, this is true. Like, my bunny died in the middle of the night. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know. And like, would you come over and help me bury the bunny? This is like the dead of winter in Illinois. Snow on the ground, frozen. And you know what? We responded. We went, that's love right there. That's love. <laughs> that was pure love. Amen. That's true. We bailed people out of jail. Yeah, there was a there was a, a girl. She was over at our house. We were we were playing board games, and it was getting late. So she drives home, and next news you know, we're getting a call from from the county police department. Like, what in the world is going on? And then we find Faith on the other end of the line, and Faith had been arrested. Praise God! And you know, okay. Um, Sure, we'll come bail you out. She had moved to the area, had no family in the area. The pastors were her only fa family. So guess what? We love faith. Get our kids in the car. We drive to the police station, which is a good 40 minutes away from where we lived. And, uh, and we got her out. Praise God. She had, a, I mean, it wasn't anything bad. She got arrested because she had like an unpaid ticket from four years ago in some other place she lived. And so, praise God. So, you got a dead bunny. <laughs> you need bailed out of jail. Now, see, since that time, I've got, now I've got staff, so I'll just send Rylin if you need to bury your bunny. And, uh... All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, where was I? So love. Everybody say love. love. Good shepherd loves his sheep. Here's the third thing. Oh, this is really good. He unites his sheep. Good shepherd will unite his sheep. In verse 16, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and also them I must bring. They will hear my voice, I will, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, guys, this may not seem like a big deal to us, but you've got to realize what Jesus is speaking into here. He is dealing with a ministry that was pretty exclusively towards the Jew. There, there are a couple exceptions like Nineveh, uh, but for the, you know, for the most part, um, everything was pretty exclusively for, for the Jew. And so Jesus here is kind of preparing people. Guys, I'm getting ready to blow the door open. Remember, I'm not the light of Israel. I'm the light of the world. Go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. Go make disciples of all the nations. I mean, over and over and over again. In fact, I, I shared two weeks ago out of Isaiah 49.6 that it is too small a thing that only Israel should be saved. There's a lot of saving power in the blood of Jesus, and it's a lot more than one nation. And so he's come to redeem the world. And he's so, so he's reminding these guys, I have sheep that are not of this fold. So go and preach and go and make disciples in Christ. Galatians 3 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, a Jew or uh, Gentile. In Ephesians 2 it says that the wall, the middle wall of partition is torn down and we are all one in Christ. There are still sheep. You got to remember this. There are still sheep that are not a part of our fold, even though the Lord intends them to be. There are going to be people that you come across, and you know what? Their, their skin is a different color than yours. And it's a sheep. 
that the Lord desires in his fold. This is why we'll make room for Marshallese service and Russian service and Filipino service and Spanish service and whatever others that, that may come along. If there's a people group that have not been reached, in fact, I'm praying that one day God uh, uh, will, will allow us to have the first Hawaiian congregation. I mean, I'm talking like Hawaiian language, Hawaiian songs and everything. And uh, uh, we don't have that in KC yet. Uh, but maybe Kona. Maybe our church could be the first one to start that. So if you're Hawaiian, praise God. And, uh, and you've got a heart for that, you just let me know. And uh, I would love to have that. But we're, we're going to make room. We're going to make provision. There's going to be people, there's sheep that, that talk different than you do. There's sheep that are raised different than you were. There's sheep that voted for the wrong political leader, I'm telling you. But God still loves them, and He still died for them. And He may even ask them to receive us, He may ask us to receive them into our fold. And you know what? We're going to. We're going to love them. We're going to be brothers. We're going to be sisters. Uh, I remember, you know, I remember, in fact, uh, making another veteran story. There was a a man of God named Dave Reaver, he just spoke at the cathedral a couple weeks ago, Veterans Day. He was blown up in Vietnam, and if you ever see him, I mean, you just search him online. He's just, he's a in piece of scar tissue, his entire body. And uh, today he ministers to veterans, he ministers to the wounded warriors, and, and that whole deal. But I never forget, he was sharing in a service on one occasion, and I had just come back from Egypt. And one of the churches that we ministered in, that well, we didn't minister there. We went and visited this church as a Coptic church. And we came back, and shortly after we got there, the same day that Dave, Brother Dave Reaver was preaching, there was a bombing in Egypt. And the church that I had been in uh, was blown up. One of the pastors that we had ministered alongside, his sister was in that bombing and died. And there were, there, were, there were many people, hundreds, who died in that bombing. And I'll never forget Dave Reaver standing up. Now, this is a church in the Middle East, right? It was personal to me, but I remember, I, I remember seeing the headline as it came up on my phone, and I immediately broke down. I mean, I was just so grieved. And I, I, I remember kind of being startled when nobody else really seemed to care that much. I remember Dave Reaver standing up, and he says, You'd feel it if you got cut in the hand, if your body was injured, but why don't we feel it when our Coptic Christian brothers are suffering overseas? Why, why don't we feel it when, when our Chinese brothers and sisters are having to huddle in homes and it's illegal for them to have a Bible and they're, they're spending months in prison at a time and, and, and dying as martyrs? Why don't we get stirred when we're watching Christians burned alive and... We see all of these things happen. And I, I just want to remind you, we're not, we're not the only sheep around. And we need to remember that we're a part of a body. And there's other sheep that God is going to add to this fold. But there's other folds out there. And guess what? They're our brothers and they're our sisters too. And we're going to contend and we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going we're gonna to fight for them and we're going to be a support. And, you know, I was so blessed when we first came. Minister Ryland, would you come? I'm, I'm actually about done here. I was really blessed when we came. And before we started our Sunday morning services, we, we went and we were just playing secret 
shopper at a couple other churches here in town and um you know there's some people that good churches but one of the churches that we went to was uh living stones went and checked it out for a few weeks and um you know their style's a little different but you know what i loved these guys came up to us after maybe our second week having been there and the worship leader told us if you guys need anything do you have a sound system do you guys do you guys need speakers do you guys need this? Do you need it? And, and, and the thing is, I'm, you know, sometimes people say stuff like that just to be nice, but when it really comes down to it, they're not. No, they were like authentic. They were really serious about it. And I, guys, I want to be that. I, I want to I be that. When, when people say, you know, it's like that, that scripture I read in the offering today. They had things in common. Nobody suffered need, and I, I feel like, of course, that needs to happen within our church. That if we see a brother or sister who's in need, and it's within our ability to, to help them, let's do that. But let's even broaden our vision and say, you know what, if there's a church out there that's struggling, if there's a believer out there who's struggling, and they're not even a part of our church, but it's within our power to help them, how about we do that? Wouldn't it be nice if we could create that kind of culture? I mean, I love the fact they're not like, oh, you're not here to take our people. Uh. As long as you're preaching Jesus and you're preaching the Bible, then, man, we're on the same team. At the end of the day, yeah, I, I, we want to build a great church. We have a unique vision that no other church has. But at the end of the day, what really matters is are people hearing the gospel? Are people getting right with Jesus? Are people going to end up in heaven because of what we're doing? That's really what it's all about. Now, that leads into the very last thing, and we've read it. You know it. Fourth point, he, the good shepherd, gives his life for his sheep. He gives his life. For his sheep. I want you to understand the devil didn't steal his life. The Pharisees, the high priest, Herod, none of these guys took the life of Jesus. He willfully laid down his life. The Bible even says it was the will of the Father to send the Son, Jesus. But Jesus here is saying, No, it's my will too. It's not just what my Father wants me to do, it's my will. I will lay down my life for the sheep. And that's exactly what he's done. And I think I'm so thankful for it. Hebrews 9 says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. You understand? Without the shed blood of Jesus, every one of us stand before God is guilty. Every one of us would miss heaven by a long shot. But I can just imagine Jesus looking down from heaven and he sees people who he loves. People that he sees as sheep. Is they're going to perish in hell unless there is a sacrifice, unless there's shedding of blood on their behalf. Turns to his father. It's already in the heart of the father. And he says, I'll go. I will lay down my life for the sheep. I'm a good shepherd. I 
Can I remind you? He laid down his life, but I love what he said. I love what Jesus says. He says, I lay down my life, but I take it up again. Even before he died, he knew death wasn't the end. He knew that he was going to be resurrected. And the Bible says that even the very same way that Christ was raised from the dead, we also, if our life is found in him, will be raised to life. Romans 8, just as the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit lives in you and will raise you to life by his Spirit. Oh my goodness. 2 Timothy 1.10, Jesus abolished death and brought, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Did you know if you have been born again, you are immortal? Wow, that's a big word, huh? I'm immortal. Are you immortal? Oh, I sure hope so. I want you to stand to your feet. Here, we're gonna, we're gonna pray. We're gonna make sure you leave this place with immortality if you're not immortal yet. Jesus has made it easy, you know. It's so easy. If we would only believe. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that he was raised from the dead? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. He died, he rose again, you will be saved. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. He asked him, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. With every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone praying. Maybe you're here today and you say, I've got sin in my life. I've got things that I need to repent of. But I want to know before I leave here today that I'm right with Jesus. That my home is in heaven. That I've received eternal life, immortality, the Spirit of God that will raise me from the dead. The Lord asks only that we would repent. Repent means I, I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to do my very best with the help of God. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to do that, say that, be that any longer. I just ask you to speak to our hearts even right now are there things within us that grieve you are there attitudes that we have that need to be corrected what areas have we fallen short even recently Lord we're all in process and I thank you that by your grace by your spirit you speak to us you change us so God, I just pray that you would highlight those areas. That you would just say, hey, work on this one. Hey, fix this right here. And God, we'll be sure to obey. We'll be sure to listen. Come on, I want to lead us in a declaration right now. If you've never made Jesus your Lord, maybe you've been away from him and you need to get right today. This is your moment. Come on, would you just pray right out loud with me? Everybody here, would you pray? Dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me by your blood. I give myself to you. I ask you, give me a new life. Give me your life. I am a sheep 
be the good shepherd over my life. Thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the hope of salvation. Eternity spent with you. I believe you died for my sin. You rose from the dead. You're coming back soon. I'm going to be ready. Jesus, live your life through me. I give myself to you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, just before I read this blessing, I just want to I want to leave you with one reminder, and I want you to keep this close to your heart. As you go about your week, as you go about your day, I just want you to imagine as if a shepherd who loves you, who is fighting for you, is literally right there alongside you in all that you do. You get some wolf that comes and trying to wipe you out. You just remember that you've got, you got a good shepherd who's fighting for you. I hope that brings some comfort to you. You got a good shepherd that's by you. Oh, and he loves you. Hey, that's good news right there. Praise God. Why don't you lift your hands? Let me speak a blessing over you. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously, just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. May they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey His word and seek Him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. King's Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine His light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you Tuesday.